Do you ever drive down the road and see a Shenyun billboard? Do you ever go to your dentist's office and see a Shenyun poster? Do you ever go to your mailbox and have a Shenyun flyer? Do you ever see a city bus driving around a metropolitan area wrapped in Shenyun branding? Do you ever think to see what it was all about? Well, the curious minds here at This Was A Thing did some research and holy possible religious cult. Shinyan this week on This Was A Thing. Yo, girl, remember Blink-182? Low-rise jeans on everyone, yo. The flight of the balloon boy And the fall of my space And damn it's nipple slipping This was a thing It hardy bling Freddy got fingered Was a thing This was a thing Hi, I'm Rob. And I'm Ray. And you're listening to This Was a Thing, the podcast that dives deep into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. This week we're looking at Xinyun. This was a thing because a religious group that some refer to as Chinese Scientology called Falun Gong started a dance and music show as a way to get their message out there to the masses. In short, communism is evil. But boy, oh boy, is it much, much different. Deeper. Can I ask you a really stupid question? Are you saying fallen gong like it's the gong F-A- fell? No, it's F-A-L-U-N, fallen gong. Oh, okay. Now, this is an episode in our series, Things That Are Still a Thing, because, well, Xinyun is still a thing. Very much a thing. I see ads for it on the TV. I see billboards on the freeway. There are wrapped buses, ads on the subway. Xinyun is everywhere. And I really had no idea what it was. Now, the TV commercials proclaim China before communism. Mm. 5,000 years of Chinese culture. Well, I just had to find out what this meant. And I need to get this out of the way. Researching this episode brought me down a rabbit hole that was real hard for me to get back out of. I literally had to, like, take a weekend off so I could, like, Ray's girlfriend said to him, you have to stop working on Shenyun. (laughs) Didn't she? Yeah. She's like, you need to take a break. She's like, you need to take a break. Folks, if if you've listened to our Is Elvis Alive episode that sent Ray down his first rabbit hole, it's literally on this level, but with uh, communism and dancing. Really quickly, Shenyun is essentially a mouthpiece for Falun Gong, which some consider a religious cult. Uh, I'll talk about Shenyun as a whole, but not without going deep into the Falun Gong and the man who created it, Li Hongji. I want to make it clear, I'm not a religious person, but it's none of my business how people live their life spiritually. No religion is greater than another, and I believe that people should be free to practice however they want. Did legal give you that to read, right? <laughs> yeah. But when lying is involved, when people use religion to suppress people of their basic human rights, when people make themselves out to be a godlike deity walking this earth, that's when I have a problem. And with the Falun Gong and Xinyun, I have some issues. I could tell. Now, I'm aware that saying 
Falun Gong is like Chinese Scientology could be misleading, but this comment on a Daily Cause article broke it down in a way that shows the parallels are pretty obvious. They do seem similar in Scientology in several ways. Nazi extreme and magical thinking, like Scientology with its aliens, etc., driving people away from medical treatment that might help them, charging large sums of money, and in the most terrifying one, suppressing dissent. Oh. Now, I used a really great New Yorker article for this called Stepping into the Uncanny Unsettling World of Xinyun by Gia Tolentino. Thank you, Gia. And I reference it a lot because it is a great article if you want to read more about Xinyun. I'm going to start off with a section from the New Yorker article. Writer Gia Tolentino went back home to Houston to visit her parents. The parents surprised the family with tickets to the Shin Yun performance that was in town. Hmm. This is her description of the beginning of the show. Two hosts with animatronic smiles, speaking both Chinese and English, began introducing a series of dances, which were called things like goodness in the face of evil and the world divinely restored the female dancers moved in hypnotic swirls the male dancers jumped and flipped behind the stage was an enormous screen upon which digital backdrops ancient temples royal gardens the cosmos appeared along with digital dancers who would walk to the bottom of the screen and then pop out via the appearance of a living dancer on the stage. The colors were near neon and unnatural. The host started talking about a spiritual discipline called Fallen Dafa. That's the other name for what I was telling you. And then introduced a dance in which a beautiful young follower of Fallen Dafa was kidnapped and imprisoned by communists who harvest her organs. Would everyone like to learn a little Chinese? One of the hosts asked. He intoned a phrase and asked the audience to repeat it. That phrase means, I love Shin Yun. Smart. We love marketing. The dances continued. Sleeves swirling, skirts rippling. A man came on stage to sing a song in Chinese, which was translated on screen behind him. We follow Dafa, the great way, he began, singing with the creator who saved mankind and made the world anew. Atheism and evolution are deadly ideas. Modern trends destroy what makes us human, he sang. In the final dance number, a group of fallen Dafa followers who wore blue and yellow and clutched books of religious teaching battled for space in a public square with corrupt youth. Their corruption was evident because they were wearing black, looking at their cell phones, and in the case of two men, holding hands. Homosexuality? Now, Chairman Mao appeared, and the sky turned black. The city in the digital backdrop was obliterated by an earthquake, then finished off by a communist tsunami. A red hammer and sickle glowed in the center of the wave, end quote. <laughs> this is my kind of show. I kind of want to see it now. Before we get into Xin Yun, let's talk about the Falun Dafa movement, also known as Falun Gong. Xin Yun is essentially the face of this religious movement, for lack of a better term. I'll be saying both Falun Gong and Falun Dafa, different names for the same practice. Both are used in various articles I read and referenced. Now, Falun Gong was started in the early 1990s by Li Hongzhi. Falun Gong was part of the Qigong movement in China. Qigong is a modern term that refers to a variety of practices involving slow movement, meditation, and regulated breathing. Qigong-like exercises have historically been practiced by Buddhist monks, Taoist martial artists, and Confucian scholars as a means of spiritual, moral, and physical refinement. 
this all seems fairly normal so far, right? Oh, yes. At one point, over 2,000 disciplines of Qigong were being taught. 2,000. Now, Falun Gong, translated to Dharma Wheel Practice or Law Wheel Practice, was introduced by Lee in 1992 as part of a centuries-old tradition of cultivation. Now, in Buddhism, Dharma means cosmic law and order. Boom, boom. But is also applied to the teachings of Buddha. Lee sought to revive the religious and spiritual elements of Qigong practice that had been discarded in the early communist era. Now, in 1989, after the Tiananmen Square protests, the Chinese Communist Party established a registry for social organizations in order to head off political upheaval. Now, here's just a quick history lesson real quick. The Chinese Communist Party, or CCP, was founded in 1921. Mao Zedong was a founding member that rose through the ranks to become the leader in 1943 until his death in 1976. So the CCP and Mao Zedong are going to be referenced. So I just need to give you a little footnote there. Now, this is from a 1999 Washington Post article. Falun Gong is often translated to Law Wheel Great Way, referring to Lee's belief that he telekinetically implants a wheel of energy in his follower's belly, a miniature version of the cosmos that is always spinning. The wheel, he said, keeps this person's energy aligned, making him physically and spiritually healthy. I uh, thought I had heartburn, and then I realized I was just blessed. Oh, no. No, that's definitely a wheel in your tummy. Now, I'm going to definitely go into more on that later. Just a little bit of a Costco sampler for you. I love a Costco sampler. Lee was recognized as a Qigong master and was authorized to teach his practice nationwide. He became an instant star in the Qigong movement, and Falun Gong was embraced by the government as an effective means of lowering health care costs, promoting Chinese culture, and improving public morality. Lee would soon attract, according to some estimates, Tens of millions of adherents. So tens of millions of people in China, they were saying. That were in it or watched it? That were followers of oh, his. Oh, followers. Oh, I see. This is from the New Yorker. Falun Gong started holding enormous gatherings by the mid-90s. There were more than 2,000 Falun Gong practice stations in Beijing alone, troubled by the possibility that a large part of the population was becoming more loyal to Lee than the Communist Party. The government began cracking down on Qigong groups and banning sales of Falun Gong publications. So because the, he was starting to get such a following, they didn't want to have like an uprising against you know, because he had so yeah, many followers. Yeah. So by 1999, the government was estimating that the group had 70 million adherents. That year, more than 10,000 of them staged a silent protest in front of the central government compound in Beijing. Now, an arrest warrant was issued for Lee, who had already immigrated to Queens, New York. There's a sitcom waiting to yeah, happen. Yeah. The Chinese legislature subsequently passed and began violently enforcing an anti-cult law. So what made them say this is a cult if it goes against the main it religion? Goes, it goes against like the, what the CCP says. And also it was like one man kind of having a bunch of followers. And that's not what they wanted. They saw it as possible competition. Gotcha. Now, the Chinese government requested Lee be arrested. Interpol rejected this request on the grounds that it was a matter of a political or religious character and lacked information on any ordinary law crime he would have committed. Now, let me just give you a little idea of Lee's teaching. This is from a People's World article. Lee has claimed that alien life forms intend to displace humanity with clones and that scientific development is the result of alien interference. Yes, this is true. Yeah. Keep going. He has further claimed that race mixing in humans is an alien plot to drive humanity further from God oh, no. and that heaven is racially segregated. Lee apparently so despises miscegenation that he has been recorded as saying when a child is born from an interracial marriage, 
That child does not have a heavenly kingdom to go to. And what is this winner's name again? Li Hongji. Is Li still with us? Uh, yes, he is. Oh, okay, good Li is still with us. Here's a quote from Li in Time magazine. One type of alien looks like a human, but has a nose made of bone. Is this a riddle? <laughs> no, this is from Time Magazine. Oh. Everyone thinks that scientists invent on their own, when in fact their inspiration is manipulated by the aliens. The ultimate purpose is to replace humans. The human body is the most perfect in the universe. It is the most perfect form. The aliens want the human body. The reporter then asked, Are you from Earth? Lee gave this as an answer. I don't wish to talk about myself at a higher level. People wouldn't understand it. According to the Washington Post, he also played down what many have portrayed as his chaotic apocalyptic visions of aliens taking over Earth with technology such as cloning, saying he merely meant them as metaphors of ancient Buddhist thought. Lee has been open about his beliefs that evolution is fraudulent, that different races will be separated in heaven, like I said, that he's strongly opposed to feminism, and says that promiscuity and homosexuality are unnatural, and that it was God's plan to eliminate the gay population. So I should go, is what you're saying. I'm disappearing. He is also extremely anti-communist. I don't know if I've mentioned that, which is why China dislikes him so much. Just wanted to give you a little background on the man whose teaching would go on to inspire the creation of Shen Yun. I'm not a fan of Shen Yun anymore. Oh, but wait, I'm still not ready to move on to Shen Yun because just when I thought I was ready to move on, I found a website called Exposing the Fallen Gong that pulled me back in. I came to find out that the website was taken down by the Falun Gong, but not before it was archived. So thanks, Wayback Machine, not a sponsor, but we'd love to have you as a sponsor. If yes, you sponsor please, podcast, Machine, please. Because, man, we use you a lot. It was made by someone who left the movement and wanted to expose it to the world. Now, it had sections from Lee's biography that in 2000 was replaced with a slimmed-down version. It removed some of the more questionable things. Now, the original is a real doozy, and I feel like I need to share some of the highlights with you. Would you be so kind as to share some of the highlights with me? Born May 13th, 1951, Lee began his decades-long training to become the greatest master of all time, referred to as master or teacher to keep up with Chinese tradition. His first teacher, Quan Zhu, trained Lee to cultivate his innate supernatural powers and instilling great moral principles within him. Lee was preschool age at this point. Preschool age. Oh, fuck. By age eight, he had attained many supernatural powers, levitating off the ground, becoming invisible simply by thinking, nobody can see me. He could control others' movements by thought and, of course, teleportation. He could move himself anywhere he wanted by thought alone. Right there with his noggin. Really? Yep. I could have done that? No. Well, I mean, you have to you have to do decade-long training with Quan Zhu. He continued to train with various masters over the decades in spirituality, kung fu, and sword fighting. Now, it is made clear that all of his training was done at night in secret locations where no one could witness them. 
His supernatural powers were unimaginable to ordinary human beings, but the powers weren't as important as his wisdom. He discovered the truth of the universe. He saw the origin of humankind and foresaw the development and future of humankind. Now, the early 80s was a time of soul-searching for Lee. He asked himself, why was I so rigorously trained by many masters? Why am I here in this world? He couldn't ignore that he had a divine mission, a mission to build a virtuous society and liberate a people whose hearts and souls are now corroded and bodies tormented. Devoting his life to this mission, Master Lee took five years from 1984 to 1989 to develop the Falun Gong system. The biography recalls many of the miraculous things Lee had done for his students. Now, get ready for this. I'm ready. First, he used his supernatural power to purify the bodies of his students and rid them of the root cause of their sickness. Then, he instilled a fallen, a turning law wheel, in each student's abdomen. Forever rotating, it cures sickness. Now, the installation didn't require an operation, nor did it cause the practitioners any pain. For fallen is not a physical object. It cannot be seen or touched. Now, it is formed by the supernatural energy of the master, which is the reason why it has the power to heal. But wait, there's more. Master Lee also offers all Falun Gong practitioners the protection of his fashion or spiritual body. It has the power of cleansing practitioners' homes and practice sites and sets up a protective shield to guard practitioners from evil spirits. The website exposing the Falun Gong points out something that was actually really interesting to me. The biography speaks of decades-long physical and moral training that only legendary saints and heroes undergo. It provides no basic info on Lee's life. Of course not. We didn't learn anything about his day job as a boy, a teenager, or his family schooling or occupation. Now, the, the hagiography of a medieval saint recounted the miracles he performed as a child, so it seems as if Lee just tried to kind of copy a formula that had already worked and use it to his benefit for his followers. But unlike medieval saints, hagiographies that mentioned families, Lee's was nowhere to be found. Ah, interesting. In 2000, Lee Hongji founded the Epoch Times, a newspaper that could get out the Falun Gong talking points to the American public. The Epoch Times got popular around the 2016 election cycle. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Keep going. Now is the moment you've all been waiting for. I'm here. Shin Yun! <laughs> this is a clip from Shin Yun Official Accounts YouTube. You are not just watching a performance. You are witnessing a culture reborn. Now, you'll see what the modern world has never seen. China, before communism. Shen Yun 2022. Live on stage. Get tickets now at shenyun.com. So, in 2006, a group of expatriate Chinese Falun Gong practitioners started Shenyun in upstate New York, located in the town of Deer Park. 
They opened a 427-acre compound called Dragon Springs, also known as The Mountain. The Dragon Springs compound has large rehearsal spaces and is registered as a church, Dragon Springs Buddhist. Now, a 75-foot-tall Buddhist temple was built on the property in the style of the Tang Dynasty, which ruled China from 618 to 907 AD. Now, that is nostalgia. They stated that their purpose for starting Xinyun was to revive Chinese culture and traditions from the time before communist rule. In 2007, the company conducted its first tour with 90 dancers, musicians, soloists, and production staff. Early shows were called Chinese Spectacular, Holiday Wonders, Chinese New Year Splendor, and Divine Performing Arts. But now the company performs under the name Xinyun. I think they were just trying to figure out their branding before they... Branding is hard for religion. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. That's the first thing they all talk about in the when they start a religion. <laughs> What's the branding going to be like, guys? From The New Yorker. By 2009, there were three touring Shenyun companies. Today, there are six companies, each consisting of 40 or so dancers, all of them trained at the Feitian Academy, which is situated on a 427-acre campus established for fallen off of practitioners in upstate New York. The dancers are accompanied by an orchestra that incorporates Chinese instruments. Each troupe includes about 80 people. In addition to 96 American cities that is touring this year, Shenyun will visit Vancouver, Berlin, Auckland, Taipei, Daegu, Ayan Province, and dozens of other places. So it's worldwide that they're going out there. Just like the web. <laughs> exactly. Back to school. Backpack. Lockers. Lockers to hide in. Speaking of school, what's the biggest lesson you ever learned? Hmm. To subscribe to Patreon to help keep this show on the air. I learned that in economics. Ooh, I was sick that day. How do I subscribe? Well, to be one of the cool kids, become one of our Patreon supporters and help keep this show on the air. Head on over to Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search for This Was A Thing. And set a monthly donation. Even a dollar a month helps us. Your contributions help continue doing what we're doing. Good to know. Well, I'm going to subscribe, then get a note to get out of P.E. Rob. I have moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. Oh. Let's talk a little bit about the dance aspect of the show. It's a big part. Xin Yun performs three core elements of classical Chinese dance. Bearing, which is emotion, cultural, and ethnic flavor. Form, which is expressive movements and posture. And technical skill, physical techniques of jumping, flipping, and leaping. Xin Yun's repertoire draws on stories from Chinese history and legends, such as the legend of Mulan, Outlaws of the Marsh, one of the earliest Chinese novels thought to have been published in the 14th century, and Journey to the West, a Chinese novel published in the 16th century. It also depicts the Falun Gong today. During the 2010 production, at least two of the 16 scenes depicted persecution and murder of Falun Gong practitioners in contemporary China, including the beating of a young mother to death and the jailing of a Falun Gong protester. Earlier, I mentioned that there was a dance that involved organ harvesting. I thought this was a show with some pretty music and nice dancing. This is from The New Yorker. 
Falun Gong insists that thousands of its members have been killed in state custody, and three high-profile researchers, the journalist Ethan Gutman, the human rights lawyer David Mattis, and the former Canadian Secretary of State David Kilgore, maintain that China has been harvesting thousands of organs annually from imprisoned Falun Gong practitioners, but many experts dispute this. Here is the San Francisco Gates Review of Shenyun from 2009. With hundreds of dancers and two dozen carefully designed, richly costumed pieces, everything from colorful handkerchief dances, imperial style dances and high platform shoes, drum dances, folk dances, and wushu displays. It's a heady blend of the ancient and modern, of traditional Chinese instruments and their western counterparts, and contemporary experiences expressed using the formality of Chinese classical dance. This next one, is from the New Yorker author Gia Tolentino, who I mentioned She's before. Back. She's back. back folks. She explains that at the Houston performance that she went to, the hosts came out and gave an explanation of Chinese classical dance. Quote, This art form seemed to resemble both ballet and gymnastics, they said, but they explained ballet and gymnastics had in fact borrowed the traditional techniques of Chinese classical dance. The dancers were showcasing a tradition that was thousands of years old. They went on a tradition that had been single-handedly rejuvenated by Xinyun. It was impossible to see a show like this in China because of the communist regime, they told us. Wow, okay, okay. Xinyun's dancers perform wearing intricate costumes, and they use a variety of props. Some costumes are intended to imitate the dress of various ethnicities, while others depict ancient Chinese court dancers, soldiers, or characters from classical stories. Props include colorful handkerchiefs, drums, fans, chopsticks, and silk scarves. Each Xinyun piece is set against a digitally projected backdrop, usually depicting landscapes such as Mongolian grasslands, imperial courts, ancient villages, temples, or mountains. Some backdrops contain moving elements such as the digital versions of the dancers that integrate with the performance. The elaborate acrobatic gymnastics and bright costumes are paired with music that mixes traditional Chinese instrument with a full Western orchestra leading the melodies. Here's a clip of the Xinyun Symphony Orchestra. Now, as I mentioned earlier, there are operatic solos that sing about different spiritual or religious themes, which obviously include references to the Falun Gong faith. But it seems as if they change what song is sung based on that particular audience there in front of, i.e. they can go much more religious in the South than they can in New York City. Of course. This is from that New Yorker piece. Gia Tolentino described the Xinyun performance that she went to in Houston, but she also went to a second performance at the Lincoln Center. She wanted to compare and contrast. So she got to, yeah. She says, the vocal numbers, though, were different from the Houston production. Instead of a song about atheism and evolution, a soprano in an evening gown sang a song that began, many today are far from the warmth of home. 
separated by great distances from those they love. It seemed likely that this was Shinyan's way of molding the production to local tastes. The other vocal number bemoaned the busyness of modern life. Here are some people speaking highly of the performance they just saw in Nashville. Um, it really surprised me because I've always thought that the Chinese people didn't believe. Yeah, that the Chinese were atheists. Yeah. That was my understanding, really. And so when I was reading the words to the songs when they were being sung, and I was thinking, wow, there's a much higher, a deeper spirituality in the culture than I realized. So it's gotten me interested even to learn more about it. Because China, your culture is so wonderful, so beautiful, and it's based on on peace and love and forgiveness and all the things. And think of where we think of China today. We think of China from the communist standpoint. We think of China from war. We uh, atomic bombs, the whole thing. It was just great to see uh, the uh, the culture come out from a suppressed nation. Uh, many of the suppressed nations throughout the world have had difficult times uh, bringing out their culture and it was great to see that the Chinese uh, and their group was able to do this. Let's get into the advertising. Xin Yun is known for the advertising. You see it everywhere. Actually, yesterday I texted Rob a photo he did, he did. of a Xin Yun poster in a dentist office that was next to a UPS store. It's like that meme when they were like, we found the first picture from Mars yeah, and somebody it's, photoshopped. It's become a meme. Shen Yun. This is from the New Yorker. Xin Yun is a nonprofit. In 2016, it reported more than $75 million in assets and more than $72 million in revenue. Now, given the amount of money the organization seems to spend on advertising, it's hard to believe that they could be in the black. But The Guardian has reported that each city Xin Yun's advertising campaign is sponsored by the local Fallen Dafa Association. The ad blitzes are carefully coordinated. Quote, Xin Yun ads is basically a season of the calendar now. This is from Los Angeles Magazine. According to public filing, Xin Yun generated nearly $30 million in revenue in 2017, the most recent year for which records are available, a $7 million increase from the year before. But Xin Yun spends none of its own money on marketing. Instead, it relies on a vast army of devout followers and donors who produce ads, buy billboards, and send out millions of mailers promoting the show. Among Falun Gong members, there is an expectation that all practitioners basically put their lives on hold for the weeks or even months leading up to Shin Yun shows, a former member wrote in Medium. A San Francisco Chronicle story reported that from 2015 to 2017, Shin linked groups spent at least $39.3 million on advertising, a staggering amount for a nonprofit of its size. And if that's not from ticket sales, that's all practitioners that donating donating money. I'm just going to ask you this. So if I went to go buy a ticket for Shen Yun, are you saying that my money goes to support people that think interracial children yes. and, and gays yes. and all that? Okay. And perfect timing to ask that because ticket prices for the Seattle performance that I talked about range from 70 to $180. So balcony seats, $70. Founder's circle, 120 Refreshments in the lobby at intermission? priceless <laughs> amex for all your repression needs 
Now, I want to talk a little bit more about the Epoch Times that I was telling you about. This is from the Los Angeles Magazine article in 2020. In 2000, Lee founded Epoch Times to disseminate Falun Gong talking points to American readers. Six years later, he launched Shen Yun as another vehicle to promote his teachings to mainstream Western audiences. Over the years, Shen Yun and Epoch Times, while nominally separate organizations, have operated in tandem in Falun Gong's ongoing PR campaign against the Chinese government, taking directions from Lee. Now, would you be shocked, like I said a little earlier, that they had a big old boost in popularity around the time of the 2016 election cycle? Also from the Los Angeles Magazine, despite its conservative agenda, Epoch Times took pains until recently to avoid wading into partisan U.S. politics. That all changed in June 2015 after Donald Trump descended on a gold escalator to announce his presidential candidacy, proclaiming that he, quote, beat China all the time. In Trump, Falun Gong saw more than just an ally. It saw a savior. As a former Epoch Times editor told NBC News, the group's leaders believed that Trump was sent by heaven to destroy the Communist Party. He actually came to destroy the Republican Party. <laughs> this is from the New Yorker article. The chairman of the newspaper's board has said that it is not a Falun Gong newspaper because Falun Gong is a question of an individual's belief. The paper skews conservative. Among its recent pieces are stories headlined, Quote, why we shouldn't embrace President Trump's nationalism. Quote, government welfare, a cancer known as communism. And quote, President Trump, build the wall. So now you're telling me that if I put money in Shen Yun, I'm supporting people that supported Donald Trump. It all it goes back to the Falun Gong. Falun Gong. Yeah. David Robertson, a minister of St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee, Scotland, uh, saw the show and had this to say about the show when he saw it. As soon as it started with every inch perfect and the fake fixed smiles on every dancer and the constant spiritual waffle about truthfulness, harmony, compassion, and forbearance, I knew that we were in the presence of a religious cult. Mm. And so it turned out to be. So even a man of the cloth <laughs> can see Shen Yun. <laughs> For what I had no it actually idea. presents. This is the closer for the New Yorker piece. At intermission, I asked a woman selling Shinyun mer merchandise what I might do if I was interested in joining the Falun Dafa. We recommend that you go to the website where you can download teachings and exercise videos, she said smiling. You know, everything you see in the show is true. At the end of the show came Mao, the communist earthquake. A quarter of the audience started filing out of the theater during bows. Others gave Shinyun a standing ovation. What'd you think, I asked the man sitting behind me. You know, he said, pausing, I thought it was really, really great. The expression on his face was one of compassion and forbearance, but not necessarily of truthfulness. It was, I thought, the look of someone who in about nine minutes would be on the one train, wondering, as I have been wondering, how something could be so much more and so much less than what it seemed. Well, that was just a synopsis of Shen Yun. What a journey. What a ride. I think I'm going to go take a long shower. And when I get back, we'll just sit here in silence and think about everything I just talked about. This was a thing. This was a thing. And now, this is a sketch.
This weekend on Newsmax, the only news network willing to speak the truth, we celebrate the wonders of these great United States with our special presentation, Shenzhou, America Before Biden. We'll explore the great country that we called our home before the Biden crime syndicate took over with host and God's chosen warrior, Kirk Cameron. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. God bless. Witness. Ronald Reagan introduced the pilgrims to the Native Americans. Well, mother says no to drugs, but yes to stuffing. <laughs> Watch as we see the true way Hillary rose to power by holding bloodletting ceremonies in basements of pizza parlors. We call this section Dance of the Adrenochrome Plum Liberals. I haven't tasted pizza this good since I was on Epstein's plane. Enjoy watching a crowd anxiously watching a giant rock move to reveal John F. Kennedy, stronger than ever and now a Republican, ready to take his country back. So you're telling me after I blow my head off, I can't pick my own doctor? Thanks, Obama. Feel the anger of knowing once and for all what's on Hunter's laptop, sung by the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. He's cracked in a dumber. With skits from Diamond and Silk and music by Kid Rock. All weekend on Newsmax. Shenzhou, America before Biden. Newsmax, the only news network willing to dance the truth. Thank you. This was a sketch. Okay, before we give our thoughts, I wanted to share what's presented on the Shenyun website, just so both sides are presented. Fair journalism. I know, that's a big thing for you. Now, this is a section titled, Challenges We Face. Since the CCP is officially an atheist regime, it is afraid of the freedom of expression that arts companies enjoy in the West. In 1999, the Chinese Communist Party initiated a persecution campaign against Falun Dafa, a meditation discipline based on the principles of truthfulness, compassion, and tolerance. While Falun Dafa practitioners in China continue to face horrific abuse, the party has been extending its persecution outside China. This includes harassing Shen Yun. Why would the CCP harass Falun Dafa practitioners outside China? The primary reason is to prevent them from revealing the tragic reality of the persecution to the world. And that is not the only reason. The party is also trying to infiltrate Western society to manipulate the international community's opinion of Falun Dafa. Here are the main channels the CCP uses, still from the Xinyan website. The Chinese Student Associations. At university campuses around the world, Chinese student associations are under the direct supervision of Chinese embassies and consulates and receive financial support for them. They say Chinese student associations put out misinformation at China's behest. Another one is the Chinese Business Associations. Enticed by the prospect of economic benefits, some overseas Chinese business associations have come under the control of Chinese embassies and take various actions on the communist regime's behalf. A typical example was a series of hate crimes that took place against Falun Dafa practitioners in New York's Flushing neighborhood in 2008. Note, again, this is according to the Xinyan website, and the articles I read, these attacks weren't mentioned at all. Not to say it's not true, I just want to throw in an allegedly in there. We love an allegedly. Final channel the CCP uses to silence Falun Gong is Confucius Institutes. Now, the Confucius Institutes are one of CCP's main overseas propaganda initiatives. The regime currently operates over 300 institutes in 93 countries, planning to reach 1,000 institutes by 2020. Now, this is an old article. Not sure when they updated this section last. Officially affiliated with the Communist Party, the Confucius Institutes claim to be places for learning and cultural exchange, but in fact, they are 
are a key part of the regime's public image facelift. These schools have shown to be a platform for indoctrinating students with the party's version of history, culture, and current affairs, while avoiding mention of human rights abuses, massacres, and ethnic cleansings. Now, there's a lot more on the Shinyun website that will be linked in the description below. I thought it was only fair to present some of their side. Now, that being said, I feel like Shinyun not explaining what it is all about before people buying ticket is the ultimate ruse of ruses. First of all, thank you so much for doing this because I've learned so much. I honestly thought this was a dance company that performed Chinese dance techniques and it was going to be like ancient dance moves. I thought that was literally what it was going to be. I had no idea that, first of all, it's a religious yeah. ceremony, pretty much. And on top of that, some of the things they believe in are so antithetical to the human nature, like the idea that if you're that there shouldn't be any sort of mixed marriages or have any babies of a mixed race and that gay people shouldn't get married. Yeah. So this is very surprising. I just thought this was like fun and flowers and blossoms. Oh, no. Oh, no. I mean, okay. you'd, you'd get the flowers and blossoms. How have they been able to get away then with this for so long? I mean, okay, listen, if it's a religious thing, great, fine, live your life. But the fact that there's so many things in it that are that I think so many people, if they knew what was going on, would be really protesting. Why is this under the radar? I mean, I think it's just one of those things where people just don't know. It's just a part of of, of culture now. We just laugh at the fact yeah. they advertise yeah, everywhere. Yeah, they just ad- advertise everywhere. And people don't look into things as much anymore, I feel like, unless it's just in their face on Twitter or in mm-hmm. social media. So this is a racist, homophobic institution. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. And I feel like most people buy tickets thinking they're actually going to learn something about Chinese culture when it's clearly propaganda. The dancing is beautiful and it is, and you know what I mean? Like, Oh, no, not talking about the talent. So they know that they can put on a, a good show so people can at least feel like, oh, they got their money's worth. But if they can get maybe 10 people in a sold out 700 seat theater to be like, hey, let me learn about this. You know what I mean? And this guy's still alive who created all this. Yes. And I do have to say that he's been nominated for a Grammy. Yeah. He's received over 340 awards and proclamations from Australia, Canada, China before the crackdown, Japan, Russia, and the U.S. in recognition for contributions to people's spiritual and physical health and freedom to believe in the world. Wait a minute. I want to be clear on that. It doesn't say that the countries gave it to him. Well, no. It says that people... It's Proclamations like saying, from. So I'm sure it's just... So if I did a proclamation, he could say a proclamation from the United exactly. States. Exactly. He also was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize in was 2000 like and Trump, 2001. Like Trump being nominated for the Nobel oh, Peace I'm Prize? Sure, I'm sure it was practitioners. And in 2013 was ranked by Foreign Policy Magazine as one of the 500 most powerful people in the world. He did great. He ranked a little bit under Kesha this year. <laughs> now, like I said earlier, I'm not anti-religion by any means but it really does sadden me that people hear these things from lee and go yep you know that's the truth you know but you know everyone's wired differently i guess and there's a lot of things going on in the world today that you go how do people how is that a thought that someone can actually take and process and go yeah that seems truthful it's just Anyway, <laughs> I need to say this wasn't meant as a way to be negative about Falun Gong or Shen Yun. It was just an opportunity for me to tell all of you listeners what is behind all those Shen Yun posters, Shen Yun rap buses, Shen Yun billboards, Shen Yun mailers we get, the Shen Yun t-shirts, Shen Yun hats. 
Shinyan action figures, I'm guessing. I'm sure you have in the gift shop, you can probably get a, a Li Hongji. And I feel like now would be time for a Shinyan game. This was a thing and now it's a quiz. This is a this was a quiz. With Mark Schroeder. Welcome back, Mr. Schroeder. Thank you very much for having me. Excited, excited to be back. Have you ever seen a Shenyin performance? Uh, the only thing I've seen are the uh, banners that hang on every street sign in downtown Los Angeles. <laughs> okay. so which is a, which is a performance in itself. Yeah, so I think if you drive by fast enough, it's <laughs> actually, it's moving. And <laughs> it's like flip exactly. <laughs> they really should do that. I you mean, do 60 down Sunset and catch LA, all the lights, <laughs> you could see all of Aqua. <laughs> It's <laughs> pretty good. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> but as you mentioned, Shen Yun, it's yes. operated by the Falun Gong, new religious movement, which mm -hmm. was a, a pretty big surprise to me. And thank you for that. using the proper term of new religious movement. Yes, I want to. I want to. <laughs> we, we don't like to call them cults here. We don't like to That's say that. The, yeah. I don't want anybody. We don't coming want at the me. c word, you know. <laughs> but you know what? The religious thing got me thinking because I. I what other things have secret ties to religion behind the scenes? And Ooh. that got my little brain ticking. But we're going to find out what other secret things have religious ties going on in the background with a little game called. Pay no attention to the god behind the corporate curtain. Wow. Oh, yeah. shit, Mark. <laughs> Season two. <laughs> so this, in this game, Rob and Ray, you're going to compete against each other in a speed round. So okay. I'm going to ask you each seven questions about brands or corporations that have strong religious affiliations. Okay. And whoever can answer correctly first oh, okay. gets the point and the winner Go straight to heaven with fourth quarter profits. <laughs> okay. And the loser will see a massive drop in revenue straight down to hell. Oh, great. Loser gets steak knives. <laughs> and they will escalate. So I'm going to try uh -oh. and start. I, what I try to do with these games is start them, and then we're going to escalate. We're going to raise the bar. So okay. get, those, get those brains working. The headquarters for Walmart can be found in the heart of the Bible Belt in which Arkansas city? Little Rock? Fayetteville? Bentonville. Bentonville, Ooh. Arkansas is Do I get a half zero. a point for a ville? <laughs> Chick-fil-A was founded in 1946 by a devout Southern Baptist in which state? Georgia. Georgia. L. Oh. Truett Cathy. Oh, man, this guy put that Chick-fil-A right? sandwich I, down. I, here's the thing. Want to look I at used, my face and I tell me that you go there a I lot? I used right? to before. I used to when I was growing up. Before I found out about their affiliations, and I don't go there anymore. But I was obsessed with them before I realized, wow, they are not. Would you be willing to show me a credit card statement from the past six months? And if I found Chick, well, I find Chick-fil-A on there if I look at these statements. No, I will get the FBI down here so fast. <laughs> this famous hotel chain will leave a Book of Mormon beside the Bible in the nightstands of all their rooms. Holiday Inn? Oh, uh, uh, Days Inn? Marriott. 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 I'm not you doing good. open that dresser, I, I you can find. I should have gone with the M. I guess they're side by side because you can't stack them. That would imply <laughs> preference. Timberland CEO Jeff Swartz cited his Jewish faith when he chose to cut ties with a manufacturing factory in this country. Germany. Due to human rights violations. Oh, fuck. China? China it Ow. is. We got one point for Ray. Wait, two points for Ray. He got Georgia as well. Oh, okay, Rob. Don't always, it's not always the Nazis. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. There are other oppressive people in the world. Tell that to Uncle Mo, <laughs> Uncle Larry, Uncle Curly, Uncle Shemp, then Uncle Curly again. They did those things to themselves. <laughs> Nobody hurt them. In March of 2020, this Christian-owned arts and crafts store announced it would Hobby remain Lobby. open. The Hobby Lobby before the buzzer for Rob, two to one. <laughs> the question I thought was funny, in, in March of 2020, Sorry. they said they were going to remain open, and they claimed to be an essential service. 
And then in April 2020, they closed all their stores and furloughed all their workers without <laughs> Yeah, pay. not making a profit. Suddenly not yeah. so essential. The cross-stitching section was just not pulling into weight. The Bible verse John 3.16 can be found printed on In-N-Out cups as well as on the retail bags of this young women's clothing company. Uh, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it the limited two? It is not the limited two. A young woman's clothing line? Like a children's clothing line? Young women's. Jesus, I don't know where young women shop. Five. <laughs> Charlotte Roos. No, no, what's it? La- not Lane Bryant. What's the other one? Talbot's. Forever 21. Oh, Forever 21. I didn't, I didn't know that Forever was a clothing 21. label. This final one, it was. It, basically, it's going for the tie, Rob, because you can't pull ahead, but you could tie it out. Okay. With this, if you get this last one right. This renowned poultry and meat company employs chaplains to minister to employees at production facilities. Tyson's. Tyson's it is. Oh, Ray. Good job, buddy. Ray with three points, Rob with one. Yeah, you really know your religious corporate overlord lords. Look, I went to Sunday school, did a couple VBSs. You know VBS? No, what does that mean? Vacation Bible school. Oh, okay. It's a a week-long summer uh, learning about, uh, you know, the Bible. It's where you lost your virginity, right? Uh, cool. Well, Mark, thanks so much for uh, quizzing us here. I did. This was a lot of good information I didn't know. Choose to or choose not to shop at those brands. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, a Chick-fil-A, right? Ray, uh, thanks so much on, for an amazing presentation on Shen Yun. Of course. Hey. And where can people find us? We are going to be at the Houston Astrodome. No, no, on social media. Oh, we are on Instagram at uh, This Was a Thing Pod. And uh, go ahead and check us out at the website, www.thiswasathing.com. And if they like us, should they give us money? Oh, uh, yeah. Check us out on patreon.com slash thing. Old Lucy level, five bucks a month, get you some exclusive content. And if you want more exclusive content, go to Ray's OnlyFans, where it's him dancing naked to the entire Shen Yin score. Talk about a falling gong. <laughs> There's a lot of the helicopter, though. And uh, Ray, I heard, can slap his balls against his thigh. Okay, everybody. <laughs> See you all next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to This Was a Thing, and a big thanks to the folks that keep this show running. Our editor, Daniel Cut-Cut Schwartzberg, our composer, Billy Better Than DC Reese, our social media director, Gabe Hashtag Crawford, our graphic designer, Natalie's Nothing Too Graphic DeSavia, and finally, our games coordinator, Mark the Shark Schroeder. If you liked what we did today, make sure to head on over to iTunes to rate and review us. The more stars you leave us, the more love we feel. Hey, speaking of love, show us some social media love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at This Was A Thing Pod and Facebook we are This Was A Thing Podcast. Reach out. We'd love to hear from you. And if you really liked what we did today, head on over to Patreon.com and become one of our sponsors and you'll get access to special episodes, interviews, and merch. That's Patreon. Search This Was A Thing and support us so we can keep doing this show. 